Powered by Rev Media in partnership with TSN, it is Season 5. This is Episode 7 of the Rain Drakes Hockey Podcast, and it is presented, as always, by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. Introducing the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC's 15-year-old Sherry Cask. So it's a signature CC Classic, 12-year-old whiskey, but it's finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Cask. All the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of sherry. So, Ray, for all of our fans, our legion of fans who watch us on the YouTube channel, I'm sure you've quickly picked up on this. Um, Got a haircut yesterday. And, um, you know, nothing fancy. I go to sport clips. Have you ever been to a sport clips? I have. I have, yeah. It's kind of cool, right? You know, you've... You've got the, the the sports memorabilia and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Maria is uh, is my stylist. Only second time I've been there now, right? Yeah. Well, but she did a good job. She did a good job. But I, Laura, who I've gone to for probably 12 years, just decided she's getting out of the industry. Left me high and dry. Not happy with Laura. You know, you're comfortable when it comes to certain things. So I sit in a chair and Maria says... Really, it's my fault because Maria says, all right, um, do you remember which clipper we used? She uses the clippers on the sides and the scissors on the top and away we go. She goes, I think it was a two. And I'm like, no, I don't think it was a two. I think it was more than that. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, it was a three. I mean, yeah, I think it was a three. So first swipe. (laughs) It wasn't a three, was it? It wasn't both of us (laughs) are like, oh, no, it wasn't a three. She goes. It might have been a five. <laughs> oh, so, uh, <laughs> no, no, I got no. it a little, little tight, a little, little tight. tight yeah. But I think, yeah, but that's a good thing about but hair. Before Gross. it's funny. Like I don't have a lot of hair. It really shouldn't matter one way or the other. <laughs> uh, I used to go to this guy when I lived on when we lived on the other side of town. Sam, yeah, yeah. awesome. Him and his brother used to argue the whole time that we'd be in there. You'd go in there partly for the show, partly for the haircut. Like built-in entertainment, huh? Oh, yeah. it was. So there was one TV. And it was up in the right corner. And Sam loves premier soccer, like from England. So it would be on all the time. And so Sam would be cutting your hair, and then he'd stop, and he'd be watching the game. And, <laughs> and every once in a while, you'd have to go, yo, yo, Sam, can we, like, move this along here? I Literally, get chop, chop. Let's go. And I go, why don't, you, why don't you put a TV, like, right in front so everybody can watch, including you? Yeah. And he goes... No, no, I like it up there. I go, yeah, but nobody else does. And he goes, my shop, my shop. I love this guy. He was the best. No soup Another, for you. And then at Christmas, you'd go there and they'd have a few bottles of things. He'd go, oh, have a drink, have a drink. We go slow today. And so oh, you'd go nice. in. You know, it was the best. I hated moving away because uh, I, I, it was one of the things I loved. It was, it was so good. So you back in the groove now, you're back in the travel groove, you've got the yep. cadence down pad of traveling, getting home, going to the soccer games and, you know, and then recharging yep. quickly and getting ready for the next week. Yeah, this was a short one though, like yeah. Um, yeah. one day turnaround and uh, back out and I'm in Seattle today for Colorado, so Seattle's yep. home opener and uh, then Thursday I'm in Denver for Colorado's home opener, so uh, this will be a fun week then. Good. I don't know if team. I'd like to know. I probably should know this, but what teams' records are in home openers? I don't think they're as good as you think. 
No, you know, everybody comes up. Teams and, for sure, yeah. Yeah, guys run around all over the place. They're excited to get going again, and then yeah. especially like when it's game one of the season. And right, right. Lots of times they like. I was in Pittsburgh. They they fell flat. Then they went into mm-hmm. Washington for Washington's home opener and blew them out of the water. And so yeah, I don't. Know, but it'll be fun today. It's uh, Seattle's a great building and really fun to go into. And Denver's yeah. always good. Colorado's fun to watch. It is. Well, the good starts, the bad starts are all part of the Tim Hortons headlines. Hey, Canada, Tim's NHL trading cards are back with an all-new set. So get ready to unpack the thrill and score your favorite hockey stars. Grab them before they're gone. Hot, hot stuff here. Available now only at Tim's. So Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, Ray, on Monday night. Taylor Hall stated before the game... um, that he thinks that Bedard is being given too much media responsibility. Taylor talked pregame about Bedard's off-ice media workload. I think he's handling it really well. I mean, he does way too many in-game interviews and stuff. I think that they need to find a way to just let him play. And But he's, you know, I think he understands his role as as a major ambassador for the game of hockey and, and he's handling it so well. He doesn't seem to be phased by it, but I think that, um, you know, it's, it can be a little much for him at times. He doesn't say that, but it feels like it is. All right, Ray, is, is Taylor on to something here? And, and specifically, he's talking about the in-game stuff, right? The in-game. So, you know, if you're doing a broadcast, it's ESPN, doesn't matter what network, of course, you want the first pick overall, the newest super right. face of the National Hockey League in your broadcast for 90 seconds. Really, that's what we're talking about. So not to pile on Taylor Hall, but is it a bit of an exaggeration, all of the media responsibilities that go along with the job for Connor Bedard? Well, I don't, I don't know that it's an exaggeration, but you can't have it both ways. You, you know... If you ask any player about their salaries and what is um, and their livelihood, they'll tell you the thing yeah. they hate the most is escrow. Escrow goes away when revenues go up. Yeah. The one thing that the NHL clearly is behind in is growing the game publicly in the United States. Yeah, there are dollars out on the table that are just sitting there. One of the reasons this happens, I think most people would agree, is People don't know the players as well as you might in some other sports. Right. So I'm watching baseball and I forget, I think it was the shortstop for the Dodgers. He's mic'd up in game. And so he's talking while the game's going along. There's a ground ball. He says, well, hang on. I got to make this play. Scoops up the grounder, turns a double play. Like it's a great clip. And I, and it's not a, it doesn't change the world, but it's, an accumulation of these things that help grow what you might know about a player or about the players or about the sport. And so I know I would hate, I wouldn't hate it. I I would have disliked doing the in-game interviews. I get it. And for Connor, it's the first week of the NHL. So they're, of course they're going to want to talk to him Mm -hmm. the most and the most frequently. But I, you can't have it both ways, man. Like, no. you, you can't complain about escrow and then not want to do any media. Yeah. Like the, but part of this, I'm going to lay part of this drags on the on 
the league's feet too. Mm-hmm. I was in Pittsburgh for Connor's opening game. And of course it was, it was Sidney Crosby and Connor Bedard and 38 stunt doubles. Like that was really the story, <laughs> right? Like that was it. And so they had this little riser. I don't know. It's maybe six or eight inches for Connor to stand on. It's not like he's six foot five. Right. I was 15 feet away. I couldn't see him. Yeah. He should have been on a podium. They should have either taken him to the Penguins podium or <clears throat> built a makeshift one. Yeah. For him. Like, make it easy and tell the reporters, don't leave it open ended. Mm-hmm. Connor's here for seven minutes, nine yeah. minutes, whatever yeah. the answer is, and have it a closed ended session. Yeah. And then that's it. So he's in Toronto Sunday. He had a bigger media availability. After he doesn't practice, need to. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't need to do it Monday morning, like right. game morning. He's already done it, but yeah. he should do it post game. And he didn't, and, by the way. And he should. And unfortunately, he's an 18 year old kid with an enormous burst yeah. of pressure put on his shoulders. And I would think, though, um, I don't think that Connor Bedard post game after beating Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs would be opposed to doing post game interviews. You know that I I think he understands it. So, you know, maybe this is in response to Taylor Hall's comments. The public relations department of the Chicago Blackhawks said, no, he's, he's not available. He was available Sunday after practice. He didn't get a point in the game in the 4-1 win over the Leafs. Therefore, he's not obligated to speak to the media. It it it. It likely is the largest media market in the National Hockey League, Toronto. And they miss an opportunity. They, being the National Hockey League, to your point, right? Miss an opportunity here to... There's no way Bedard wouldn't have had something interesting to say about going head-to-head with Austin Matthews in this game. No different than he did with Sidney Crosby, you know, to this point of his career. So... Well, it's if unfortunate. you use that, yeah. but Dregs, if you use that as your guidepost, that means like 35 times this year, he's going to be unavailable to the media. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just made up a number, yeah. but yeah. 35, 30, 35 times, he's not going to be available. Yeah. He's it's not going to fly. He's, no, he's different than other players. Yeah. Quite frankly, they don't want to talk the media to most of the players all of the time, unless they have an impact on the game. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. Look, I, I, we've all seen it. So you can't say it's a concentration thing or it's a pain in the ass thing is what it is. Right. Because you've seen a reporter ask a, uh, a manager in game about his strategy. You've seen a reporter ask uh, the guy that's catching the ball on the opening kickoff of the Super Bowl like 30 seconds before – he turns around and catches the ball. I've seen uh, race car drivers get interviewed as they're in the car getting ready for the flag to go up. Yeah. Like it, it can be done, but it, it has to be more organized or as organized as possible. Player agrees, camera's ready, bing, 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 out of there, 90 mm-hmm. seconds. And for Connor, unfortunately, he's got the, he's got the yoke that, uh, Connor McDavid and Wayne Gretzky and any other Sidney Sidney Crosby, my goodness, course, for 18 yeah. years, he hasn't turned around and not had to do an interview. And yeah. it's it's part of it's part of being the status of the player that you are. 
Austin Matthews, back-to-back hat-tricks to get the regular season going for the Toronto Maple Leafs, held off the score sheet against oh, the Blackhawks Monday night. Yeah. So when you, you know, when you analyze the goals that this guy has scored, six of them in two games, um, six or seven? Six. You get four of the first? Yeah, six. Just, back-to-back yeah. hat-tricks. Um, number one, does it just good health come to mind for you? I mean, you, you, you see the toolbox. You know how talented mm-hmm. he is. Uh, does it start with good health and then those around you and all of that? Like I just, I'm trying to bend my brain around how you, you score hat tricks back to back games to start the regular season. Uh, I, I like to always think that it's more than one thing. Um, It's never just one thing. And he looks Mm -hmm. like he, he skated really well, you know, like he's, yeah, he's skating well, um, mm-hmm. so that's that's health for, for sure. Um, they scored thirteen goals in the two games, so mm-hmm. you know against um, uh, against Montreal and Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, they have they're going to score a lot of goals this year anyway because that's the team they have. And I mean, the back to back three goal games, of course, is historic. It hadn't been done in a hundred years. And, um, but he's, he's just different. I mean, like he shoots it better than most. He's stronger than most. He's, you know, he's entering into really the peak of his career. Mm -hmm. Like these are his, I think his peak years. I, I I picked him at the start of the year to win the, the rocket trophy, like the most goals in the league. And certainly the first three games hasn't pretty good. Yeah. Hasn't made me think that, Oh gee, that's (laughs) the wrong thing. I just, He's a phenomenal goal scorer. He really is. He, and mm. every, every once in a while, the, the stars align for you, and it's your night, and he had a couple of them. I mean, two two of the goals, well, one for sure against Montreal was was no good. He was right on the goal line, and Jake Allen muffed it. But yeah, when you score, you get those anyway. And it was an amazing start for him. So you mentioned off top of the podcast, uh, you know, quick starts for some teams. Some teams mm-hmm. are stumbling. There's zero reason across the board, you know, to inflate where a team is based on, you know, a couple, three wins to start the year. Same thing applies to the teams that right. have stumbled out of the gate. But, you know, mm-hmm. Vegas is a team that's interesting to me, not just because they're the defending Stanley Cup champions, but they seem to be just kind of drifting under the radar, right? Fair or unfair. So they're 3-0 as we record episode 7 of the podcast. Edmonton stumbles with back-to-back losses to the Canucks. We want to talk more about what's going on in Edmonton than we do, you know, um, an unsurprising start by the defending Stanley Cup champion. So which is is less surprising? <laughs> the fact well, that Vegas the, is Vegas, man. strong? Yeah. yeah. Vegas, I mean, they got 19 guys or 18 guys back. They just kind of... It looks like this is an extension of the playoff series I know. of last year. I mean, they just roll out of the gate. Eichel's had a mm-hmm. had a great start. Um, I, I do think it's really interesting watching them. They're they're basically. It looks early like they're going to get into some kind of rotation and goal with mm-hmm. Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson. Like, and three years ago, did you know either of these guys? No. And you know, so it's really a, you know, they've. Both played really well. Thompson got hurt last year a couple times, but yeah. they're just kind of rolling along. And then, you know, Edmonton gives up 12 goals in two games. Their goaltending's 
under fire already. Um, you know, defensively, like certainly the first game they took a nap and, you know, like they just, they just From got top to on. bottom. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was just, yeah. it was no good. And in game, in game two, Casey DeSmith was brilliant and they had enough chances, plenty of chances to win, but they just, they're not in anywhere close to sink yet. They, right. they gave up man advantage breaks in that second game. They, uh, you know, that, um, Sam Lafferty scored like on a two on one that should have never happened. Um, it happened quick. They misread it and it, you know, like it's early, but you know, it's just, it's unsettling to, you know, you can all you, look, it is early. It's ridiculously early. It is. It, it is. Yeah. But nobody really wants to get off to a start like this. You, you know, you'd like to, you'd like to get yourself back to 500 and kind of moving in the right direction as quick as you can. Yeah, well, especially since the majority of those of us who are forced to make these prognostications <laughs> pick the Edmonton Oilers as the Stanley Cup favorite. Again, okay, okay, but know, so like, way too are early. you? Are you? Yeah. So by it's not like you're saying, um, uh, you know, Vancouver's the favorite in the Western Conference because no, they won two no, games. So no. like, it. But I'd rather be. It, given the way Vancouver's last year and a bit has gone, I'd rather be two and zero than zero and two, because yeah. if they were zero and two, you know the, you know it, it would be howling out out there, and so <laughs> a, a good start a good start is it's just it's nice it settles you in and Edmonton's got they got they got to scramble a little bit to steady themselves they're they're totally fine but yeah you know they they got to steady themselves. Interesting soundbite this week. Florida Panthers head coach Paul Maurice. We know Paul's a friend of the podcast. We have to have him on again in the near future. He's just, yes. you just hit record, talk for 40 minutes, boom, there's your podcast. Terrific stuff. And if so you get stuck, just sorry, if you get stuck, just ask him about fishing. And, <laughs> and, and then you're and Then you got another 30 minutes. You're good to yeah. go. Always a great quote. Always provides thoughtful answers. Ray, listen to his response when asked about his players making their NHL debuts. A few players have the opportunity to make their NHL yeah. debut. Uh, what's the biggest key in managing some of the emotions and pressures? Yeah, I, I, I don't want them to. I don't. I want them to be nervous. Like they get they get a standard speech, but it's true. You can win five Stanley Cups, five Hart Trophies. You can, you you can be in the Hall of Fame, but you only ever get one first game in the NHL, and that's not your game. Actually, it's mom and dad's game, and all the volunteer coaches that helped you, teachers, everybody. So when they come to the rink. I tell them, I really don't care how you play tonight. I want you to be nervous for the national anthem, be overwhelmed, take it all in, but do it with a smile on your face and have some fun because you only ever get one of these days. How good is that? Like, and that, you know, in fairness, if, if, if he'd had five minutes to think about it, knowing that question was coming, uh, maybe he did. I doubt it. We know Paul well enough to know that that's just in him. Like that's just bubbling to the surface because at some point in his life as a head coach, He's thought about that, and that that's true. That's a hundred percent how he feels. It's it's really interesting, you know, like that that first day, that first game in the NHL goes by you so fast, <laughs> and it would have it would have been nice to have somebody tell me I don't care how you play, <laughs> um, because I was terrified of 
of the game. Like I was, I was so nervous. It's like I'm 20 years old and you, everything you've always dreamed about is like, it's in your hands Mm -hmm. and you don't even, or I didn't even really know what to do with it. It wasn't like today when parents got in, my mom and dad were scrambling to find a way to watch the game. I mean, Hartford wasn't a big TV draw at the time. And, and so that day just went by in a, like in a flash. I mean, Mm. I, I remember, honestly, I remember two things about the game and that's it. And then it was over. And the, the second game, I've totally erased from my memory. I have no idea. <laughs> and not because it was bad. It just, no, it just, it was I, a game. Think, but, I, but I think because so much was in the first game and the unsettledness in my brain that the second game I've totally forgotten about because the third game was in Montreal. Mm-hmm. So I would have to go back and look. I have no recollection <laughs> who my second game was against. None. Okay, what, what are the two things that you remember from your first game? Well, I was playing Boston and they were my childhood favorite team. Yeah. And I remember skating around in warm up and looking over at those jerseys and going, they're so big. And those, jer- <laughs> like, I was like, these guys are <laughs> monsters. And like, it was Boston, you know, they had the, that, oh, that's yeah. when, that's when the teams wore dark on the road. So they had the black jerseys and Ooh. man, they, and I, I was like, I just couldn't stop looking at them. And I, yeah. I was exhausted by the time the game started. I must have been going a thousand miles an hour in warm up. So that's the first thing. <laughs> the second thing is my first shift was like four or five minutes in. The puck came to me and I just dumped it in the corner because I wanted to get rid of it. And the puck went around the boards and I got to it and somebody ran into me and hit me pretty hard. And Ray Newfeld was my winger and Ray, amazing guy, great big guy. These calls Big Ray and Little Ray. And he was like 6'4". He came flying in. Next thing I know, there's one of those five-on-five sort of Uh-oh. scrums going on. And Louis Slager was this guy for Boston. And he grabbed me. And I remember his strength. And I was like, uh-oh. Like, certainly I wasn't going to fight him. I mean, I don't know how to fight. But I was like, <laughs> this guy was so he was a man. I was like, he was like kind of ragdolling me around. My helmet got flipped off. That was my first shift. And I, those are the two things I remember about the game. I don't, you know what? I think we won, but I don't, I don't even remember. And like it, it went by so fast. And so that's, it's amazing advice by Paul. Look around, take in the anthem, look at the crowd, you know, like what have you ever done that before? And it, it's amazing. Well, speaking of Boston, you know I watch a lot of Boston games now yep. for personal reasons. But I didn't know this until I was told a day or two ago that Zdeno Chara, when captain of the Boston Bruins, eliminated the rookie hot lap. He said, we're not doing that anymore. And I, 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 I'm I, curious oh, as that? to why. Yeah, the rookie lap, right? When uh, you see it in every building, right? When the kids go out there for their first game. Well, I would assume it's like, you know, rookies are the same as the rest of the team. You're part of the team, right? Why why would we do that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing that's what it would have been. But when somebody that's six foot eight and 240 pounds (laughs) says that this is what, yeah, I'm assuming that's the way the rule of the land, right? Yeah. Back to Paul for a moment. Um, 
1,769 games as an NHL head coach. Third all-time behind Barry Trotz, who likely isn't going. Barry Trotz at 1812 likely isn't going up unless there's catastrophic failure in Nashville and he's got, and that's not going to happen. He'll catch Barry, obviously, you know, he'll catch him this year. Barry Trotz, 1,812 games. Scotty Bowman's a bit of a stretch. The all-time leader with 2,141 NHL games coached. So that's a lot of coaching by Paul Maurice. Nobody will ever pass him either. No, no. Because... I mean, I, I think Paul started in Hartford when he was 28. Yeah, when they went like 95, 96, something like yeah, that. So yeah, so like who's going to have the longevity? And it seems like he's never really been out of it very long. No. Like he had his no. one stint at TSN or maybe it was two, I don't know. But like it, shortly and then he had another job and off he went yeah. again. Yeah. So it's amazing, amazing. He, you're right, he's going to be number two in pretty short order. Uh, Joel Quenwell might catch him if Joel gets reinstated and is allowed to coach again in the National Hockey League because I believe Paul just went by Joel, like within a game or two. So maybe there's something there. Yeah. All right, buddy, those are your Tim Horton's headlines. Tim's NHL trading cards are back. Unpack the thrill. Score your favorite icons with an all-new set. Get yours before they're gone. Only at Tim's. A reminder that our interviews on Ray and Dregs this season are brought to you by Canadian Club Whiskey, introducing the first release of their Canadian Club Invitation Series. All the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness, sweetness of sherry. And we're hopeful in episode eight that Cole Caulfield of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, he's, elusive. he's elusive. He's elusive. That's a perfect word. You know what? Busy guys, right? We had the conversation in the... Horton's headlines about Connor Bedard and everything that he's got going on. So maybe Cole Caulfield has a ton of stuff going on as well. But the plan is he will join us in episode eight. Ask Rain Driggs anything. Each episode, we invite you to send us your questions. You can do it on Twitter and Instagram at Ray and Driggs is our handle or on the website, rayanddregs.com. Mike Birkinshaw, originally from Richmond Hill, Ontario, Ray. Has been based in the UK now for 25 plus years. Big fan of the podcast. He says, how do players select their agents? Apart from the percentage that the agents get, where clearly one might leave you with a bit more money. How does a player decide on one agency over another? Or do they have to choose individual agents? And then the follow-up to this, Ray. Because you had Stephen Bartlett from what? All of your career? No, I had Alan Eagleson first. Oh, and then when okay. Alan when Alan went to you know went to jail, uh, I assumed it was time to change agents. So <laughs> that's what I changed. Well, okay, so okay, answer the first part. So, how do players decide on an agency or? Oh. And you you went through it with Landon, of course, right? Yeah. So. You know, as a parent, it's maybe you'd have some influence into that process, especially one who played in the NHL. Well, it's um, it's really interesting because most agents uh, that work with the with the bigger companies, um, they have local sub agents, if you will. Right. Yeah. And they're they're the people that make the connection. The junior 
um, the players are in junior. And so the agent has people work for him and they're the ones that make the initial connection. Yeah. You know, players start getting identified that they're going to be draftable at 15 or so. And you start talking to the, the local, the local connection. And then they eventually make, if you like them, it, it's basically feel it's um, you, you like talking to them. You like, you know, they put a lot of time in building a relationship and really that's yeah. what it is most of the time. Now, if you have a, an agent that's not affiliated with one of the bigger groups, they do it all themselves. So their clients tend to be from the local area that they mm -hmm. live in because it would be tough for an agent from Calgary to have a junior uh, player that they make a connection to that lives in Barrie, Ontario. Like how would you ever meet them? So uh, that's really how you select. It's, it's a connection. Um, it's a relationship that's built. And then if it's with a bigger group, the, the headstone agent is the one that kind of does most of the negotiation. Okay. Well, you pretty much answered this, but you know, Mike asks, are there agents that you met Ray that you walked away from thinking, well, that's an easy no. And you don't have to mention names here, obviously. Yeah, but maybe for sure. it was your early for sure. process. And right? yeah. you know what? For sure. Because you just, you don't have a feel for them. Now, when I, I mean, to talk about the naivety of me and my family, I went to Portland um, when I um, when I went to major junior hockey. I was playing in Penticton in the BC Junior League. Yeah. Then I went to Portland, and I was already drafted. I got drafted out of Tier 2 out of Penticton. And I remember we had a dinner, and there was like seven or eight guys, and Eagleson was there. Next thing I knew, he was my agent. Hmm. Like, I, I never even talked to anybody else. I didn't. He was just my agent, and I and I, I can't even really recall. Like, was that through mom and dad, or, or no? It was through it was through the ownership and in, in the Winterhawks. Okay, oh, okay. And All right. um, <laughs> I I mean I remember not having really any discussions whatsoever, none, zero. It would never happen oh, today. No. And and then when he went away. Um, I was in Hartford and Kevin Deneen uh, had started using Steve Bartlett as his agent because Kevin's brother was playing in Rochester in the American League. And of course, it was big news when Eagleson went away. And so I got in touch with Kevin. I'm like, hey, look, I need an agent. And uh, who should I talk to? He's like, you got to talk to this guy. Now, I'd never heard of Steve Bartlett and I worked with him for 20 years. He's one of the best people I've come across in the game and his his kids really now, good family. Yeah. Yeah. His kids now are in the agent's business, but Steve was uh, an, an amazing, mm. honest, uh, open, fair agent. And that's the best you, you can hope for. He also quietly went to bat when he needed to go to bat. And, right. and I, I love that about him. Yeah. You're not one that wants to be flaunted through the headlines and all that. And get your business done yeah. as quietly, not, as not professionally as you can. Yeah. Not the Bartlett yeah. style. Okay, thanks for the question, Mike. That was uh, terrific. Ryan White on Instagram. Ray, name a player who, in your opinion, plays most like their dad did. And then we'll follow it up with the opposite, as well as a player who you find it hard to believe that their dad is that guy. Um, well, I can go with the opposite first. I mean, it, okay. it's, yeah, it's yeah. Max Domi. Yeah. 
right? Like, you know, for for Max, the puck is his friend, and for Ty, you know, he he used you know he used his hands for evil, right? Like that was that's an easy one. Um, uh, it's most similar to their dad. Wow, I'm going to give you one that's not in the league yet, and that's okay. Yannick Perot, Yannick Perot, and his son. Ah, very very similar. Like skating styles, just just no, just the way they see the game. The yeah, okay. Like they're both scorers, offensive people. Yeah, um, that's that one comes to mind. Um, what about like Matt Matthew Kachuk and and Keith? Like, it's hard to make. Oh, I would say I would but... say I would say Brady Brady's more Brady's more like Keith. Okay, all right. Like, just because of their size. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, they were. <laughs> like Walt was like just a moose and was, Brady's yeah. the same way. Brady's so big. Right. I'm, I know this is a great question and I'm fumbling the ball here because <laughs> no, it's a good question. No, there is, there's so many that, yeah. that should come to mind and, and they're just, they're not. Um, I'm going to come back to this maybe in the next podcast and answer this better because there is there's a half a dozen that should like should really pop up you know here. give it some thought it is a good question it is um because there are there obviously there are a number of of players who uh who have fathers who who had good careers played in the national hockey league in some capacity you mentioned ty i don't know if you've seen this soundbite recently i mean there's a million of them but you don't often anymore see Ty Domi sound bites, but <clears throat> it's an in-game soundbite. He's with the Winnipeg Jets. I don't know who Winnipeg is playing, but I just saw it on, on Instagram or whatever. <laughs> no, Ty is standing up on the bench, yelling at the other bench. He's like, you touch house, do you get? I'm going to kill every one of you. This <laughs> <laughs> is so <laughs> typical of Ty. Oh, it it was, it. He, he was, <laughs> man, he was a force boy when he yeah. would, like zero, zero fear of anything. Oh, no. and, oh yeah. He was, he was one of the guys, he kind of make you nervous because if you got into the, you know, into the, his zone and he was yeah. having a bad night, you might Ooh. take one right off the <laughs> side of the nose just because you're standing there. Right? <laughs> that did happen one or two times over his <laughs> career. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, thanks, Mike. Ask Rain Dregs anything. Again, you can send us your questions on Twitter and Instagram at Rain Dregs or on the website rayandregs.com. So, another game for you. What's the rest of the week looking like, Ray? Uh, just um, game today in Seattle. Uh, Seattle's yeah. scored. Seattle last year was fourth in the league in goals. Mm hmm. And they've got one in three games right now. They had, and this in my, it's funny, cool stuff you pick up in the research, but last year they had 10 guys that had career highs. And that doesn't count Matty Beneers, who of course was, was a rookie last year. They had 10 right. guys have career high in goals. Yeah. That's not happening again. No, no. And so I think the potential for a step back for Seattle is in their offense. Okay. And so I think, and you know, and they, they made the playoffs like as the number eight seed, second wild card. Right. I I have them as one of my teams that's that's in a little tough this year, only okay. because it's really hard to duplicate a career year. Hmm. 
Yeah. Have you done any poking around? Maybe you will later today. Um, I'm curious of, of, of what Seattle is thinking developmentally of Shane Wright. You know, he's, he's in Coachella now in the American yeah. League, which he's got to, he's got to play games, Drakes, man. Yeah. That kid, yeah. since he's, since the year before he was drafted mm. with COVID and stuff, he has just not played a lot of hockey. I, I don't know what I will ask when I get there, but I would think the plan is don't look at what we're doing here in Seattle. You play for Coachella. Yeah. Play there. Mm. Don't look, don't look up, look at where your feet are and, we, you need games. You need to play. Yeah, but the media looks at it and says, this kid was drafted fourth overall. Shouldn't he be right. an NHL player by now? Well, all things being equal, sure, but he's not. And quite frankly, the, the team should never look at what what we're saying. Like they should, why would they care? Yeah. Like well, Ron they, Francis each... doesn't care what we think. We know this. Yeah, right? like, I, I mean, like every player is different. You can't look at, uh, 18-year-old somewhere else and, or 19-year-old and say, well, because that guy's playing, my guy should be. That, that, right. It doesn't, it just does not work that way as much as, as much as again, the narrative is that that's what it is because mm-hmm. it, it just isn't. He needs to play. By the way, well, I just thought of a player. Go ahead. Um, Connor Murphy and Gord Murphy. I played with Gord. Oh my God, they look the same. They play the same. They're the same hand. The only thing that Connor does not have is Gord could make a backhand flip out of his zone. And we were in our zone a lot in Atlanta. Yeah. And he could airmail that thing like a punt. <laughs> and he says, Oh yeah, career saver. He used to call it. <laughs> but him and Connor, they look the same. They play the same. I was just scrolling through teams and I got to excellent. Chicago. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's one for sure. Jake Chickren, Jeff Chickren, not so much. Well, I mean, I I think <laughs> no, not bad. Jake shoots the puck like a yeah, yeah. like a, a more offensive, I would think. You so know, we're like, going to continue this, though. We're going we're gonna to go on. We're going to go on this for sure. You got to come up with either for the next episode or next week, whenever. Let's what do you think is a fair number? Well, it take it'll take me ten minutes because I need to go through each of the teams, yeah, and start yeah. looking at the rosters and go, oh yeah, because there's guys I'm clearly forgetting here. Right, 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 right. Th- okay, you know, let's that do that. Let's do that. We'll have some yeah. fun with that in the next episode. We'll pick four or five players and yep. their dads and have some fun with that. And then we'll send that soundbite to Dad, especially. We'll send it to Ty because you you kind of made fun of him there. Oh, I didn't make fun of him. I was like, he does not handle the puck. Like, well, yeah, I guess I did. He doesn't handle the puck like like Max does. That's for sure. And and do you think he's going to debate that? He's like, no. not a chance. He's too busy hobnobbing with all the rich and famous people of the world. He's not worrying about the Rain Drinks podcast. All you right, buddy. Get him on here to tell stories. <laughs> you think so? Got some, that guy's got some stories. I don't know if we could air some of those stories. We like to, you know what? Out of respect to our sponsors, yep. Tim Hortons, Canadian Club Whiskey, we keep it between the lines. No, but he's got like guys he fought or guys that almost fought or whatever. And yeah, you know, Ty had a couple of years where he had he had some decent offensive numbers. And guaranteed, he's got some stuff he could talk about in this space. We should bring heels on with Ty because heels is oh. relentless on Ty. Like, <laughs> so as soon as Ty retired, soon after. He got his teeth fixed, capped, whatever. Mm-hmm. And and 
in studio at TSN, Heels was relentless. What are those things made out of wood ties? Just brutal. All right, buddy. Uh, We'll catch up with you. Have a good couple of days. Yep. Thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, have a good couple of days. We'll talk to you later in the week. And thank you to our sponsors who continue to support Ray and Dregs, our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, and Tim Hortons. And as always, thank you for listening, for rating, for sharing, and a reminder, check us out on the Rain Dregs YouTube channel as well. Until next time, stay safe, everybody.